This is the podcast for Woodland Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. We are maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. We hope you enjoy the message, and if you'd like to learn more about our church, look us up at woodlandpres.org. Thanks so much. May the Lord bless you. Brothers and sisters, the the reason that we can uh, exemplify these qualities is because it is the very nature of who we are created in God's image. If you notice with me in verses 4 through 6, Paul says the unity of the Spirit, and then he says there's one Lord, that is Jesus, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. He's named all three members of the Trinity. I want you to see another place in Scripture. I'll read it for us in 1 Peter, where all three members of the Trinity are named. Peter's writing, and he says, To those who are elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ. Some theologians call this the covenant of redemption. It's this idea that in Genesis 1, when we read that God said, Let us make man in our own image. This was the all three persons of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, deciding together before man was even created that, that God was going to redeem us. In other words, it's all three persons of the Godhead who our confession tells us are all equal in power and glory. Voluntarily, mutual voluntary submission to the other parts of the body for the purpose of our redemption. In other words, the way that we maintain unity in the church is the same way that the church was created from the beginning. It's this, it's this mutual voluntary submission to one another, counting others better than ourselves, striving for Christ-likeness so that we might be unified as a body. It's the very nature of who we were created to be in Christ as image bearers of God. Each of us has been created with this. And so, because that's who we are in Christ, that's, that's how we, it's, it's, it's another way of saying, just be who you already are in Christ. Be by faith who you already are in Christ. That is, serving one another in love. So there's this, this unity. Paul repeats this. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. All these things that we have in common. But there's also a diversity in the body of Christ. And what I mean by diversity here specifically is a diversity of gifts that we've all been given. Paul says, all these ones, these reasons that were unified, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he gives us this beautiful illustration. It's a, it's a quotation from Psalm 68. It says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And what this is referring to is uh, back in the day when the Psalms were written, uh, a king of a particular nation would go out to battle with a, a rival nation, and when they defeated them, he and his army would process back into the city, a kind of victory parade of sorts, and they would have their captives, who they've just defeated, in the train, in the victory parade, to show their power over these people. And now the psalm says he came back and he received gifts among men. And Paul says, and I think deliberately changes the quotation to show us Jesus here, he gave gifts to men. The reason I think that is because what he says next, he's deliberately tying this psalm to Jesus And so here's the picture. Jesus, who was Lord above all, power above all, left his place of power and authority 
and he came to earth. He humbled himself as a man. And as a man, he defeated all the powers of evil that you and I could never defeat for ourselves. And then he ascends back to the Father. But what did he say just before he left his disciples? I go and I leave another one with you, the Spirit. The Spirit who at Pentecost enables these particular gifts in us to serve the church. What a picture of the gospel. That Jesus comes and does all the things that we couldn't do for ourselves. And then we don't give him gifts to thank him for his power and keeping us safe as these, uh, as these people did in these Old Testament times. He then turns around and gives us gifts. And the only logical response from us is to use those gifts not to serve ourselves, but to serve the body of Christ. And that's exactly the way he shows it. You see this procession here, or this progression, that Jesus, he gives these gifts to the apostles and to the prophets. Those were offices in the church that are no longer. They, they built the foundation for us. And now the evangelists and the shepherds and the elders, the pastors, the teachers, we build on that foundation to equip the saints for the work of ministry. From Jesus to the apostles to the pastors and elders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And this shows us a couple things. For one, it shows us that ministry is not just the work of Christian professionals, but it's the work of the entire body of Christ. We all have a part to play when we come to church and throughout our week. We're all doing the work of ministry. There is no hierarchy of status before God. We are all equal members of Christ's church, all playing a part in his mission. And the other thing I think it, it calls on us to do is not to use these gifts in self-service, but for the good of the church. It would be very easy for, for someone who's gifted at, at speaking uh, or leading or uh, whose particular personality that's good with people to use those gifts to kind of create a personal following. But here, what does Paul say? He says, for, you've been given these gifts for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to that maturity. Every gift that we have been given from Christ that we didn't deserve in the first place is for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And so we have this diversity of gifts. Each of us in this room has, has some unique way that we contribute to the health of the body. And a major reason for that, Paul tells us, is because we have a, is that we have a diversity of gifts in the body because there are a diversity of threats to our unity. We've been given a diversity of gifts in the body because there are a diversity of threats to our unity. Notice that he, he talks about these gifts and that at the beginning of verse 14, he says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Now, you don't need me to tell you that there are any number of different doctrines and schemes and, and, and things out there that are trying to tear us apart as people. Any number of different things trying to tear us apart. And so it's all the more important that we, as Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together, but are, are together constantly. There, there are any number of ways that you and I could be split up as the body of Christ. And I just want to mention one this morning that I think is uh, particularly relevant for us. And it's just busyness. You know, each of us has so many different things going on, whether you have a, a very demanding career or uh, a busy family life with 
children uh, or other obligations, aging parents, any number of things that take your time. And we're all very, very busy. And it could be that our schedules get so filled up that the, the thing that usually falls to the wayside is just being together, isn't it? I was shocked this past week. Somebody asked me to lunch, and I was just racking my brain. Why is, what does he want from me? You know, <laughs> what are we meeting for? What's the purpose? And we sat down, and it became immediately clear he just wanted to spend time together. And it was the most refreshing thing in the world, just to sit and to be together. And, that, and that's what we do as Christians for each other. I'll give you an example of, of why this is so important for us. I was, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and we were kind of lamenting the fact that, that our young children are growing up in a day and age when there are things that are called normal that were not normal when she and I were growing up. Uh, issues of, of gender, of sexuality, any number of different things that are called normal now that were unthinkable when we were growing up. And she was lamenting the fact that her six-year-old is already coming up against these things when she goes to school and things she sees on TV. She says, I don't even know where to start to begin to, to talk to her about these things. And I feel equally as at a loss about how to engage with young children about these issues. But, but brothers and sisters, the thing that I take heart in is the impact that our community as a church can have to, to form the right beliefs in ourselves and in our children. Because if you think about it from the child's perspective growing up and our perspective as we go throughout our week, if we get on social media and we hear, this is true, and we, we go to school or to work and we hear those people saying, this is true, Hear from our professors, our teachers, this is true. Hear from our friends, this is true. We're hearing one thing called true from all different angles. Well, eventually, we're going to start to believe it. And the inverse is also true. If we come into worship each week, and our children come with us, and they hear from the Word of God, this is what's true. And we spend time together with other families in the church, who believe these same things. I hear this is true. And all of these different angles in the body of Christ, we hear this is what's true. Then we will create this beautiful community where the way that God created us as male and female, the way that we are to relate to each other sexually and all these other issues that plague us in our day, we will create this picture for ourselves and for our children that is so beautiful that any ugly distortion will just almost reflexively be wrong. They will know, having grown up in this community, now this is what the Bible says, this is what's true, and they will immediately know this. That's not how God created it to be. And it will be so much the more easier for ourselves to stay uh, on track and in line with God's word and to teach our children the truth when that has been happening. We have this unique ability as Christians when we take the time to be together, to serve one another with our gifts, to keep each other in God's truth, living as he has designed us to live. Let's not give up meeting together. So we have all these things in common, our unity. We have diverse gifts, our diversity. And then Paul gives us just a couple of practical ways that we can apply this, this unity in diversity. The first, he says, is to speak the truth 
and love. Now, I've, you, you probably are aware that we, we, see, uh, we often see truth and love pitted against each other. And we will end up emphasizing one to the exclusion of the other. We have people who are uh, proclaiming the truth, or maybe just their opinion passed off as truth, uh, and denouncing anybody who believes differently. All truth but no love. And then we have the opposite, which is all love and no truth, which this version of love is really just accepting anything and everything, which is not real love. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that is able to reconcile these apparent contraries into one, truth and love. Think about it. When Jesus was on earth in John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth, pretty narrow sounding statement, and I'm the life. I came to tell you the way to salvation, the truth, the way the world works, but I also came to give you life, is love. Think about when he, he pronounces judgment on those unrepentant cities. Truth. But then he takes the cross and he takes the judgment that they deserved for those who will repent. Both truth and love brought together. I think what that means for us, brothers and sisters, is in order to be like Christ in showing truth and love to one another, it means drawing near to one another, just as Jesus drew near to us. It's, it's coming out from behind the keyboard or from the phone to engage over these issues. It's not, you know, lobbing grenades uh, digitally and online. It's being in one another's presence, face-to-face, speaking the truth and love. And it's also asking ourselves a very difficult question is, do I want this person to be one to my opinion or I do, do I want them to be one to Jesus? And I want to suggest that a very easy way to discern that is to ask yourself, uh, how is this person trying to persuade me? Because the people who are all truth and no love these days are playing on two primary emotions, and that's fear and anger. If they can get us afraid, we'll do whatever they say we should do in response. If they can get us angry, that motivates us to action. But we know as Christians that the way that we are motivated to act is that grace, kindness leads to repentance, truth and love. So let us be a, a truthful and loving people together. And then finally, the, the, the final practical way that Paul gives us to engage in this diverse and unified community is he shows us the mutual benefit that it, that it brings from being in the body of Christ. That's the paradox of the gospel, isn't it? That it's, it's in giving that we receive something back. In giving our lives away that we get the most joy. And that's the image that he gives us, this beautiful metaphor of the body. He says, the body, when it is working properly, builds us all up in love. Well, the body can't work properly if one of its members is not a part of it. And so when we separate ourselves from the body... We are missing something that the body has to give us, and the body is missing something that we have to give it, and vice versa. We need every member to be a part, to, to come together in order for us to both give and receive these gifts that we've been given to build us up in unity and faith and in love. I think it involves asking just two simple questions of ourselves. What are the gifts that God has given me and how can I use those to serve the, the, the body of Christ of which I'm a part? 
What are the gifts that God has given me, and how can I use those to serve the body of Christ of which I'm a part? We all need each other desperately, and we need to be a not-for-ourselves people in order to remain unified and to uh, accomplish the mission which our King Jesus has given us. My wife went to uh, visit a friend in Birmingham, and you may have heard this story, but uh, her friend's pastor, uh, or one of the pastors at her church, is a man named Dwight Castle. And he and his wife, uh, Stephanie, gave birth to twins. His wife gave birth back in April, uh, and they were conjoined twins, Elizabeth and Susanna. It's a very rare condition, as you know. Elizabeth and Susanna, they're connected at the, at the belly. And they're the cutest little girls. Uh, the Gospel Coalition did an article on it a couple of weeks ago. And there's only been something like 25 or 26 uh, conjoined twins successfully separated. And Dwight and Stephanie are praying that their girls would be the 27th. Um, they're going through all these different processes to, to try and make that happen. But one of the things that complicates them being separated is that they, they share some of the same internal organs. Uh, they, they share a small intestine, parts of their liver, and their pancreas, such that to, to, to separate these twins would, would be a detriment to the other one. They need each other to keep living. Just as they need each other, they're also constantly uh, annoying each other because they don't always sleep at the same time. And so one of them's trying to sleep and the other one's fidgeting and waking up. So they're constantly waking each other up. They're having to bear with one another. And more than that, Dwight and Stephanie have not been able to get the, the care they need in Birmingham, so they've had to go and relocate to Philadelphia. And they found another church family there. So they have their church family back in Birmingham and now a new church family in Philadelphia. And both of them providing cars and a place to live and meals uh, funds to pay for medical bills, the body of Christ coming together to surround this family with their love. What a beautiful picture of God's community that he has created in the church. All these people being not for themselves, but for the good of the whole, just as Jesus was not for himself, but left heaven and earth to come and defeat all the powers of evil we couldn't defeat on our own, and then to give us gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Let's be that type of people in this day and age. What a witness to the world that will be. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message from Woodland Presbyterian Church, maturing God's people to serve a hurting world. Again, if you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please visit us at woodlandpres.org. Thank you very much, and God bless you today.